Hey, it's your boy, Matt Silverman, producer of Two Girls, One Podcast, and this week is another Encore episode. If you're new to the feed, welcome. Uh, You will likely enjoy this show. It's a great one. We love it. Uh, It is episode 46. Uh, This is from two years ago, pretty much to the day, August 20th, 2018. Man, we've been doing this a long time. Uh, This is about the women and their allies, of course, editing thousands of Wikipedia articles in a quest for gender parity. Allie and Jen interviewed Rosie Stevenson Goodnight, who is a very well-respected Wikipedian who has more than 4,000 articles uh, editing and creation under her belt. And she talked about the very important reasons why we need more women and people of color editing Wikipedia so that we can have uh, less bias and less uh, less omissions of important people, places, and things inside of humanity's most important store of knowledge ever created. So uh, this was a tremendous episode. We thought it was a nice bookend to our one of our most recent episodes, which is which is about how Wikipedia works in general. So uh, please enjoy this episode from two years ago, number forty. Our interview with Rosie Stevenson Goodnight from August of 2018. Enjoy. Two Girls, One Podcast is made possible by you, the listeners. And if you love the internet as much as we love talking about it, consider supporting us on Patreon. A lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing, and distributing the show. Contributing even one or two dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We'll keep making the show no matter what. But your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening. And, and enjoy, enjoy the, the show. show. Welcome back, dear listeners, to Two Girls, One Podcast, a show made possible by the blood, sweat, and tears of the fine people at The Daily Dot. Though if I'm being honest, it's mostly blood and tears. This week's episode is going open source, which means anyone can edit it. Now you too can make Ali say things like... The majority of my attenders are 50,000 ghosts of historical women and straight white men, and that's probably racist. And now here are your not famous enough to have a Wikipedia page hosts, Jennifer Damula and Alison Goldberg. everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. This is Two Girls, One Podcast. Welcome. So every week we find something on the internet and we contact the writer. And so for a little bit about us, you want to hit a chat? Yeah. Uh, so Allie and I are have been primarily live performers doing a show on stage called Blogologues. Uh, we use the internet as a script for this thing that we perform where we take Reddit threads, Craigslist posts, Yelp reviews, things like that, and uh, completely word for word put them on stage as different characters. And through doing that, we started to think, who are the people behind the posts that we're performing? And we got this idea to make a web series at that point called Two Girls, One Show, which you can check out on hoohaha.com. Hoo-ha. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> and in that series, we interview people behind internet posts and go on scripted adventures, so loosely based on our real lives. But we also decided that we really wanted to further explore the interview portion of that, and we decided to do that with Mr. Matt Silverman with this podcast. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Let's get to the real question. How are yeah. you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you pe- doing? I'm all right. Great. Well, the people, I'm glad we have the people want to know. Is really entertaining. <laughs> uh, nobody <laughs> asked me how I was doing. I'm good. How are you, Jen? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. All right, we've you covered got all any bases. stories for us. Oh man, uh, for this week, I'm not sure how appropriate the stories 
Uh, I do oh, have perfect. I, perfect. No, I, Gr- no, but, great. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I have a dating story, but I want to. I don't. It's not even a story. It's an oh, anecdote. No, and let's I, hear it. And let's, yeah, the let's, anecdote. Yeah, let's go there. No, let's, let's I go. need advice, we're, and we're I feel ready. like it's better for a phone we're ready. call. Okay, we're but ready. If he, you brought it up, it's your fault. <laughs> All right. Well, he mm-hmm. might listen to this, but I'm going to run the risk. Wonderful. Right. I've been on three dates now. With a real, so I've been, I, I've been seeing a couple of people, but I've been on three dates with two different people, and they're both great, and I'm feeling it out. You know, I'm trying to keep my options open. The Wonderful one guy, work. Yeah, thank you. I knew you would be proud. Uh, Hang one on, guy, I'm sorry. Quick, quick yeah. question: Is this in real life or in um, Farmville? Or Matt? on uh, Ultima Online Forever? You know, I haven't dug into that yet, but I've been wasting a lot of time. I should get in there. <laughs> uh, good questions. No, this is real life. How do you anyway, meet these bows? Uh, the sounds. I thought you were gonna call these, them bozos. These bachelors, these potential these bozo men. bachelors. Yeah, um, how'd you meet them? Through Tinder, because guys, I have to say, if you're a normal person on Tinder, people are very surprised when they come across your profile. <laughs> I actually deleted Tinder this weekend again. Again, again. I've, de- I've deleted it before. I didn't know. I deleted it again. Well, I deleted did- it. Okay, go on, and then I'll tell you about that. Plus, all of this is really, it's not that part. What I, what I need advice on is that I've been out with this. So one is significantly older and one is significantly younger. The younger one, I have to say, I'm, there's a, there's a physical Wait, attraction. Wait, what's great is when you started this story, you said he might listen, but both of them might listen. I know. Do they know that you're dating two people? No, but it's only a third date. I think that's okay, don't you? No, that's totally fine. That's fine. If either of you are listening... And you get angry, go fuck yourselves, okay? She's allowed to date both of you right now. It's only three dates in. None of you have asked if you're exclusive. You cannot get angry. Go anyway, I, I like both of them a lot, and I hope to see both of them again. But so the, the older one, great chemi- physical chemistry, great all sorts How of chemistry. How old is he? Oh, he's, he's over a decade older than me. Okay, the and young- the younger one, is he over one- a decade younger? No. <laughs> That'd be awesome. He's 12. <laughs> but the younger one, obviously, there's Jen like a bit met him through babysitting. There's a new app. Care, it's called com. Kinder. Kinder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, That's so wait, how much up. younger is the, is the other guy? He's two years younger than me. Oh, so that's like, nothing. You said one's significantly younger, one's significantly yeah, older, nothing. and one well, is basically your age. I don't know. Like, the years work differently in the opposite directions for me. Like, if they're one year younger, that's like 10 years to me, for, especially <laughs> no. with men and women. I don't know. 10 years <laughs> younger, is, uh, okay, t- two years younger is the same age. Okay. Okay, go the, on. So they're both great. Uh, the younger one, though, we've been having a lovely time. I'm still feeling it out, obviously. But Ali, he has not kissed me yet. I had to. Last so you've night we had made our, out with the a, older dude. Yeah, and like it, it's great. The younger one, I had to. Is force, a virgin? No, I'm just. Kidding. Ma- I'm wondering. <laughs> I had to <laughs> no. force a little kiss on him last night at the end of the date. And a little then kiss. He, just a little one, because like he wasn't gonna go for it. Okay. And then he, te- <laughs> he texted me immediately after, and like there's great. Like it feels like there's physical chemistry. Then after he texted me, he's like, "I had a great time," and I texted back. I said, "Yeah, I had a great time too." I'm wondering when we're gonna get like a proper first kiss in. And all he wrote back is, "He's like, we'll have to work on that." And I'm like, "I don't. Should I what? see him again? What do you think? What? Should I see him again?" I'm so confused. What the hell is that? Yeah, I don't, he's like, "We'll have to work on that." Actually, oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait. But okay. He- well, here here is the fundamental problem with text messaging, right? Because my initial reaction was like he was telling you that you like weren't a good kisser. But my second reaction is oh. him admitting. My second reaction is him admitting that he has no game and he, that he needs to work on that. That I mean, was my read as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I think so actually, texting is just terrible. 
No, texting is terrible. Um, and then he immediately invited me to do something this week. So I know he's oh, you're interested. good. You're still you have two boyfriends. You're good. I know. <laughs> but like, why? You're killing why? It, especially in a place like New York City, where there's like twice as many women as men. Oh, my God. I dating know. is terrible there. You're it's killing crazy. It. Let's just list all of the possibilities, though, why somebody would not kiss you. They're not attracted to you, but I don't think that's the case. No, it's they, only the third date, Jamila. Also, on Tinder, the first date is basically a meet and greet. It's not I even know. a date. It's a meet and greet. It's like, are you real? Am I real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other- like, am I photoshopped or am I human? <laughs> I know. But am listen, I a bot? Am I an avatar? Other things that are going through my mind. He's okay. m- maybe not straight and he doesn't know it. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, other do things- you get a gay vibe from him? Not really, but like you never know. You never fine. know. He's just like shy. He's intimidated. He could be shy. He How he might be intimidated. He? He's taller than me, so he's tall. He's like okay, six okay. foot something. Yeah. Okay. And For those who don't know, Jen is tall. <laughs> so maybe he was concerned about not bringing a step stool with him. You know what I'm saying? All right. I don't know. I was just trying to think of the reasons and determine if I should continue to see this person. That's all. So I not think, a story. I think you should definitely advice, see him. Okay. Do do you like him? Did you have fun? Yeah, I did. I like. Yeah, then you I should definitely like see him again. All right, but what if he doesn't kiss me on the fourth date? What do I do? Do we talk about well, it? Well, maybe you take off your clothes and see what happens. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's been done before. Uh, wait. So, but but you've you've made out with the older man. Yeah, yeah, I have. There's just no gauge for this. Like some people don't kiss by the fourth date. Some people you're like going all the way with by the fourth. Like, it, what? Why is it so different for everyone? And how do you feel that out? Did you just say going all the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did say that. Just wanted to make sure you wearing your your coochie snorkers, <laughs> your, whatever you call um, them. They're called coochie cutters, Allie. <laughs> so what's a coochie snorker? When, I like. I don't know. When are we? When are we reading your diary on this podcast? Because Whenever Jen has a middle school diary, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I have to get next time I go to my family's house, I'll get it and bring it back. All to right, New we got to find a relevant topic, and then you're going to be reading your diary. All right. Well, if it's anything about... And I'll be cackling. (laughs) (laughs) I love a good cackle. (laughs) Uh, I have a a question slash um, thought. I don't know. As someone who has not been on the dating scene Uh, ever. Well, he's kind of old-fashioned, so go for it. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm getting at. Is like third date, fourth date, you probably don't know much about this area yet. But like, is there any indication that like maybe he has not had many relationships or many serious relationships? I'm not saying virgin, but like... Maybe he's not comfortable making that first move or, or do, does that yeah. seem like anything? He, he might have just gotten out of a serious relationship and sure. this is like one of his first forays on Tinder. Have you asked? You know, what's so interesting is we have not really talked about that. And he's very like, he's like manly and like doesn't seem shy, you know? So I just like, I don't, I'm not getting the idea that maybe he's like scared to do it. I, so yeah, I think it could be that maybe he's out of a relationship. Good, good ideas, guys. So we already asked you to hang out again. Where's your fourth date? Uh, We're very I don't know. involved now, all of us. I know. I'll let you know. He said he asked me if I wanted to do something Wednesday, and he has an idea, but he didn't say what it was. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, keep us posted. Oh, I will do. I have we'll so many do. more questions, but they'll be they'll be for off air. Right. I know. Please. All right, Ali. Uh, quick, yeah. Quick question. Yeah. What What's today's show? Oh man, today's show makes my feminist heart flutter. <laughs> Tell us. So. Jen and I discovered this a while ago, but basically, on Wikipedia, 
women are underrepresented. So there are historical women, I mean, and and current living women with incredible accomplishments, and they're not listed on Wikipedia. And apparently they're, oh, women and minorities. And they're, um, you know, there's bias in Wikipedia. A lot of uh, the majority of the editors are straight white men. And so the people contributing articles are straight white men, and they tend to list other straight white men, whether intentional or not. So there's, uh, people have begun hosting Wikipedia edit-a-thons, where they create entries for people that should be there. And they'll have edit-a-thons for women. They'll have edit-a-thons for people of color. And they'll do it by category sometimes where it's a science edit-a-thon, uh, art, the museums have hosted them. So we are talking to a woman who has organized uh, dozens of these edit-a-thons and is also... Um, I, I need to refresh my memory, but she's like a star editor. She's edited over 4,000 articles, I think. She's created thousands of articles on Wikipedia. So she is like the Wikipedia connoisseur. That's right. She was Wikipedian of the year in 2016. And we mm. will also add that she was honored with a Serbian knighthood this past May. Yeah, I want a Serbian knighthood. What do you got to do to get a Serbian knight? I mean, I think you got to be Serbian, but like, what do you got to do to get knighted? You got to go. 4,000 articles. Just that. But also when you get knighted, we can ask her, isn't it like your name becomes Sir something? Mm. What happens when a woman gets knighted? Well, I think Uh, it's... find out. I think it's Dame, like Dame Judi Dench. Oh, yeah. Per may have. Oh, great. but we have to go somewhere where they have nights. You know, we can't we can't do that here. Well, we could go on a trip, get knighted and come back and then be Dame Allie and Dame Jen. <laughs> That's a busy trip. I know. <laughs> Guys, I'm I'm meeting a Saudi Arabian princess tomorrow. Um, and it, yeah, sidebar. And uh, in like her official title, it says H.R.H. Princess Rima. And I was like, what the fuck is H.R.H.? And it's then like honorable? I, no, it's Her Royal Highness. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Whoa. that incredible? Why are you meeting her? That's I'm so going to cool. sign my name H.R.H. Yeah, you from should. From now on. H.R.H. Her Royal Allie. Highness. Allie. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I'm, uh, I'm hosting a women's event at Google. What? That's mm. so yeah. cool. I'm pretty excited about it. And You're so I'm introducing cool. <laughs> the princess. <laughs> Are you interviewing her in front of women? No, I'm not interviewing her. She's actually Skyping in. The rest of the speakers are live, but she's being like live Skyped. And actually the audience doesn't know I that think the princess. You mean, I think you mean Hangouts because no one's Skyping at Google. All right. Oh. oh, oh, that's really true. Good I was told it was Skype, but you're right. It's got it's probably Hangouts. Yeah. Like, you know what? <laughs> Skype has become almost like Kleenex. Do you know what it, I mean? It, it, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but you're right. It's probably Hangouts. But anyway, so I'm introducing her, and oh. no one in the audience knows that she's making an appearance. So I get to reveal that we're Google hanging out with the princess. Um, but this episode will have come out by the time that's happened. Ali, you so, are so I'm pretty cool. excited. That's so cool. I want to make a lot of Aladdin jokes, but then I realize that's probably racist because I think Aladdin is not set in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Um, No, I mean, not modern Saudi Arabia, but the Arabian, it's based on the Arabian Nights, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to do some Googling before (laughs) I introduce her to Google. Some serious Disney movie watching. Yeah, you better get that. But I I hope she shows me a whole new world. <laughs> and I think she's going to be shining, shimmering, and splendid. Also, you know, it's interesting because we're told like 
girls should be taught to be more than princesses when they grow up. But I don't know. This bitch is like pretty badass. She's doing all this cool stuff for women's rights in Saudi Arabia. So I feel like maybe it's okay to be a princess when you grow up if you're going to do that with your platform. Yeah, I would agree with you. If you're going to leverage that position for all it's worth, you should do it. I'm just trying to write my material right now as we chat. (laughs) Because I have to do this tomorrow night. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. I'm prepared. HRH Alley. I love it. HRH. I just love that. I was like, what's HRH for? Oh. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to talk to a Serbian knight in a moment. (laughs) I I have two thoughts. One... I freaking love Wikipedia, guys, because yeah. remember when Wikipedia was like Because it's newer? biased towards straight white men. Is that why you love it? Yes. I, I only read yeah, sources by straight white yeah, men because they're like me. You love it. That's what I like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, two reasons. One, remember in the early days of Wikipedia when the whole fucking world was like, anyone could edit it. That's stupid. Nothing will be right. Blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, when the whole internet, when smart people on the internet take the time to write 4,000 articles and make sure that they're right mm-hmm. and hopefully don't have bias and, and, and interests uh, inserted into them, then it fucking works. And Wikipedia is one of the best damn things on the internet and it's nonprofit. And wow, what an amazing achievement where the rest of the internet is such a fucking garbage dump you know what i mean right oh my god right. i've never heard mappy so negative it's i know so two f-bombs and like <laughs> just one rat yeah oh that's a big deal god. for me i know I change um do you guys remember encyclopedia britannica f yes of when course. you would yeah I, I would have like there was like a shelf in our there, study yes <laughs> and an encyclopedia salesperson would sometimes come to the house I remember oh, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I remember learning how to look things up. And and was it updated yearly? I think it was. Sure. At least. What a yeah. crazy concept. So you would have to buy a whole we... new round of books every however many years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's like, how do you decide what goes into the hard copy? Because you can only fit so many things. Probably well, no women or minorities. I was going to say, yeah. talk about bias. They got the you've only got straight white men <laughs> at a- academic institutions, you know, like professors are the only people writing Encyclopedia Botanica, like major bias there. Like at least yeah, on the Yeah, they're internet, writing we... about their colleagues. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. But I do miss a good book. <laughs> Just I'm... like holding it in your hands. I miss a good alpha- whether it's an encyclopedia or not. Well, I know, like a good alphabetized encyclopedia set with little diagrams and drawings. They were always really fun. Like I would just sit with the encyclopedia and read the encyclopedia. You would oh, do that too. Here. What you guys? I'm sure you well, did that. Well, I know too. what I'm going to get you for your birthday. <laughs> I would love a, a something set. better. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't know what, but this is right, a ter- my second thing. Yeah, my second yeah? thing. It's what? trivia time. Oh, trivia time! All right, it's inevitable. Why have we not Let's made do it. my thing into a jingle. <laughs> I know. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, as we know, as I kind of just you know alluded to, Wikipedia is a nonprofit institution, and it's supported by donations. Uh, it was founded by Jimmy Wales, who is a former finance guy, uh, and he just loved the internet. He loved internet communities, as we do, of course. He loved the power of he human just networks. Loved it. He just loved the internet. He loved it, and he just like <laughs> it made it happen, but. Here's an interesting thing that I found. Wikipedia might never have been launched without the financial support of Wales 
previous company. So Wikipedia was not his first foray into entrepreneurship. He had a company before that. In 1996, which is about five years before the birth of Wikipedia, Wales and his partners launched a different kind of internet company that generated enough revenue that they could start this little experiment with academic publishing. So Wikipedia was born out of this sort of altruistic side project of the main business. How did his previous company in 1996 and the years after, how did it make its money? You ready for your choices? Yes. Mm -hmm. Was it A, selling weed across state lines before an internet legal loophole was closed? B, selling the wiki software to other businesses before it was open source software? Or C, pictures of naked ladies? (gasps) Wow. I feel like the pictures of naked ladies is almost too obvious, right? Because it should be something... uh, you know, in direct opposition with the encyclopedia. Right. Like something dirty, like naked ladies. Right. Um, also, it seems too obvious. Matt would make up the phrase naked. Like he would, that's how Matt would think. I think he would think to say <laughs> it like that. Oh, interesting strategy. Uh, that's how I, I, I refer to porn. Naked, <laughs> naked ladies. Naked ladies. Moving pictures. All... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull up some talkies here and look at some naked ladies. <laughs> right. Like talkies? <laughs> talkies, you know, motion, motion pictures with sound. You, there were naked ladies in the silent films? It depends which theater you were going to. I like that you want to hear the women speak. I like that. I like that. I bet the dialogue's fantastic. Anyway, um, so all of these seem obvious in their own way, right? Like the the wiki, you know, the... Weed across state. Oh, no, the, the, the software before it was open source. The so- Before it was open source, like yeah. that, in a way, is also really obvious. But then the weed is also the same same idea in my brain as the lady thing, where it's Me just too. like direct opposition. And because the, there, so are I just, don't know because there are two answers in opposition. I feel like it has to be one of them. But my guts actually tell me mm. it's B. I'm gonna go with A. I'm gonna go with weed. Okay, Ali's saying weed. They were selling weed before it was illegal on the internet. And Jen, you're saying B that they were selling the actual so- wiki software before it was kind of a free service. Yes, Matt. All right, we will find out the correct answer after this break. Agnali Real Advertisement entitled Carrot People Bizarrely Cute Vintage Carrot Head Salt and Pepper Shakers from the number one e commerce platform for anthropomorphized vegetables. Someone, somewhere, once said, Salt shakers shaped like little people, wearing shoes and pants and ruffs around their necks, walking on all fours with carrots for heads. That wouldn't be weird at all. This vintage 1970s salt and pepper shaker set features a pair of smiling carrot head figures wearing blue pants and elaborate gold trimmed ruffled collars walking on all fours. Who are they? Why are they here? What does it all mean? No one knows, but at least they seem plucky and cheerful, poor little dears. A Made in Japan sticker adorns the seat of each one's pants. The ruffles are sharp in every sense of the word and in excellent condition for their age. Each carrot head figure is about 2.5 inches tall. Give the carrot twins a good home!
Well, they sound adorable. I like the idea of putting vegetables in clothes. I think I found out what I'm gonna get you for your birthday. <laughs> Not Fuck the Britannica the set. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your birthday Perfect. isn't even soon. I'm talking like it's soon. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, Christmas. Christmas. Well, okay. What it's if? Not what that if soon you, either. What if you get me the salt? Mm. I'll get you the pepper. Because our birthdays are pretty close. I don't know if you guys know this, but Allie and I share an astrological sign. <laughs> I'd rather oh. not talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, if, if, if you have the salt and I have the pepper, you know, we don't live together. So then I know one of us will be very salted and the other will be very peppered. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, it would give us an which one of us do you to... think is salt and which one of us is pepper? That, that mm. is the question. I'm um, obviously the salty one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sure. trick question. I already knew the Check. answer. <laughs> Speaking of trick fun. questions, oh, guys. Yeah. Mm, I did that questions. on purpose. I did that on purpose for sure. Thank you. Thank you. You you You're welcome. As they say you in what is it called? Welcome. Basketball? What is it you called? You alley oop. Oh, like, yeah. You like well, flip up you alley ooped. Oh, and and your name is uh Allie, right? It's technically alley oop. That's on her birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, no, actually we all know that my birth certificate reads baby A. Baby A. Baby A. Bye bye. All right, well, I thanks, want to know the answer. Thanks for the assist. The today's trivia is about Wikipedia, which is the topic of today's show. And right, that makes it sense. Is, it makes sense, right? It's <laughs> yeah, it, would it does connect. And um, you know, we know how Wikipedia got started. I mean, we, we'll get into that maybe a little bit with our guest today. Um, but do we know how it was funded? Currently, it is a nonprofit, which is pretty rad. But uh, Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia, had a different company before he founded Wikipedia, and that was the pool of cash that bankrolled that initial experiment. How did that company make money? Uh, The choices were A, they sold weed across state lines before the internet legal loophole was closed. B, they sold wiki software before it was open source. Or C, pictures of naked ladies, aka porn. Ali, you chose A, and Jen, you chose B, uh, weed and software services. You got it. The correct answer is... I'm sorry to say it is C, and no. I am disappointed that I gave you a choice for porn and no one took it. No. Once again, I should have gone with my first instinct. I started talking about the porn. And I should have gone opposite of my gut. <sighs> yes. I just feel yes. like one of the choices was porn and nobody took it. Like that just, I, I thought for sure you guys were going to It's shocking both to you. I know. It. I know. I know. We let down the listeners. We're sorry, guys. We should have gone with <laughs> but porn. Matt, you don't usually go for porn. And that's where the snafu began. That's where it was why a trick it's tricky, question. man. It's tricky. Because yeah. your father you on your gamer. <laughs> which is a little pornographic. But we should share, like, uh, folks in our Discord uh, found picked a better OC oh, pony name for me, right? Pick a better pony name for you. What was it? Button Pop. Button Pop. Oh, Button Pop. Pop. Yeah, 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 that is better. But you just like down. it better because you don't sound like a pedophile. pedophile. <laughs> a so pedophile. That's why you like it better. A pedophile. It's also really cute, right? I was trying to combine pedophile and wonderful. <laughs> pedophile. <laughs> pedophile. Uh, yeah, that all is right, not button a pop. sentence that often no, that you often no. hear. No, 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 no. JK, JK. Jimmy Wales came from a finance background and then was all about the internet in the mid 90s. Uh, and he and his partners founded a company called Bomis, or no, I'm sorry, 
Bomis, uh, pronounced like Promise, B-O-M-I-S, which I was not familiar with. And it was sort of this web portal kind of thing, if you remember those days of like kind of linking a bunch of websites together uh, mm-hmm. for content. And they were experimenting with content models to figure out how to make some money. They, they weren't sure how to do that, I guess, in, in, at the, in the 90s. Uh, they were originally like a, a directory of information for Chicago. And then they started leaning toward like, content for a male audience like sporting events and automobiles and then eventually it was like oh women and pictures of women and they found that like putting naked pictures of women on the internet and then also charging premium fees for like the really good stuff is big business Mm -hmm. and it was one of the first i don't know if it was it was certainly was not the first porn site but it was like among the first like money-making pornography sites and they used that that revenue from that site to experiment with a thing called um, Newpedia, which was strictly for academics, if I'm reading this right. It was mostly for professors and academics to write scholarly articles and share them and do peer-reviewed stuff. And what they found was that there was a huge bottleneck because these people were busy and took a long time to uh, review each other's work. And then on the side of Newpedia, they were like, what about Wikipedia? Where like the internet could just contribute like drafts of articles and then the professors could review them. And lo and behold, Wikipedia started gaining a lot of steam and and 20 years later, here we are. So that is the story of how porn became a wholesome encyclopedia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say that porn has founded most of the internet (laughs) and most technological innovations actually have their roots in porn. Mm-hmm. Like online payments, like so yeah. VCRs, like apparently most of technology actually comes from porn, which is <laughs> not surprising. Are you confident in that that the VCR was like made to distribute porn? porn? Matthew, it makes sense. It makes what sense. What do I but always say curious. on this show? <laughs> Fact, Fact check, check me. But I uh. am pretty sure uh, that yeah, I'll look into it. I'll look into it's, it, it, and it then right. let's do a whole episode on how tech has come from porn. Uh, yeah. I love it. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Cool. Great, great. Also, every time you say Jimmy Wales, I keep thinking Jimmy Eat World. That's like the coolest. <laughs> that's the coolest name I've ever heard. Jimmy Wales. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So it sounds like uh, he needs to be knighted, Sir Jimmy Wales. <laughs> In Wales. <laughs> All right. HRH. <laughs> His Royal Highness. <laughs> we are thrilled to have with us now Rosie Stevenson. Good night, a Wikipedia editor who has been working tirelessly uh, to close the gender gap in entries on Wikipedia. Uh, She was Wikipedian of the year in 2016, and we have mentioned that she also is a knight. So uh, should we, is there uh, some way that we should address you, Rosie, as a knight? (laughs) Uh, First of all, just my name is absolutely fine. Rosie Stevenson, good night. I think the honorific is the word dame, but definitely (laughs) <laughs> that makes me so happy are we recording this can we just use yeah. this yeah absolutely great dame rosie stevenson good night i am so happy I also know. you've got knight in your last name you're I like did. a double knight she planned it you've got a great name i'm gonna tell people to start calling me dame rosie stevenson good night the night wow <laughs> So, Rosie, let's let's start from the beginning. How did you get involved with Wikipedia? Well, it was June 4th, 2007, and I was visiting my younger son, Sean, at his apartment in uh, San Francisco. I was a telecommuter at the time, and by the afternoon, things were pretty slow with my work. And so I did what a lot of people do. I started Googling this, that, and the other. Um, 
I, I'm a bibliophile. I collect old books. And one group of books I collect is by a publisher called Book League of America. And I, I was Googling Book League of America, and I saw there were some articles about it, but there was nothing on Wikipedia. And I thought, oh, I must have spelled it wrong, or maybe the capitalization was wrong or something, because Wikipedia has an article about everything. And it's impossible that it wouldn't have an article about this defunct American publisher. But no, there was no article. And so sat there with this dilemma of like, what do you do when you figure out that there's no article on Wikipedia about something that at least I thought there should be? And it was then that I remembered that my son, Sean, who had been in the Peace Corps and had returned from the Peace Corps maybe six months earlier, had showed me how you could check and see the edit history of an article. And he showed me how he had edited an article about the city he had been stationed in in Ukraine while he was in the Peace Corps. And I remember when he had showed me that, I thought, wow, this is cool. You could see his username. You could see the exact edit that he did. You could see all the edits that happened before his and after his. And I thought, you know, Sean had been sitting in this remote town in Ukraine and had figured out how to edit Wikipedia. I bet I could figure it out too. I thought, well, no time like the present. And I tried to create this article about Book League of America, and I was successful. And then I added a little bit about it, and I made sure that I added a reference or two. And that was my start. Wow. Is I it love a, it. I love it too. Is it a fairly intuitive process um, for anybody who's looking to perhaps get into this? And can you talk a little bit about the process behind how people discuss and make these edits and find their sources? Yeah, it's complicated. Um, each person has his or her or their own path. For some people, they edit Wikipedia anonymously. They don't create a username and they just go in and add punctuation marks or references or improve the article about their hometown or about their favorite band or about Lindsay Lohan, something that interests them. And maybe they edit for half of forever anonymously, just using an IP account. And that's absolutely okay. But for other people, they decide to actually create their own username. And this way, all of their edits are logged and they can kind of keep track of what they're doing. They can have a watch list of articles. For me, that was the way. From the very start, from day one, I created an account. You know, some people continue forever to just do small kinds of edits. We call these people wiki gnomes and they <laughs> i know it's kind of cute they yeah. they like to do certain kinds of things maybe over and over again they look for articles missing um comma after a date and i will admit to having done that for a period of time like i would sit in front of the tv and i would look for all articles that were like in 1492 he and it's missing the comma after Thank you. Thank you for your public service to the world. 
God, that drives me bonkers. And I and feel like because the internet, it's just, it's degrading. Like nobody understands anymore. Okay, thank you. It also, you. So, it sounds so uh, satisfying to sit and add commas. I, that, I'm going to start doing that, I think. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you see how that's a um, cool, it's validating, and um, it's necessary. And it's like, if you don't do it, or your niece doesn't do it, or your grandmother, or your next door neighbor, or the person at work doesn't do it, then like, who is going to do it? Society falls apart. That is what happens. Exactly. And you need that comma. You You need need that comma. I've been saying it for years. (laughs) For me, it was, you know, more than commas. It was... Yeah, semicolons, too. People really don't understand semicolons anymore. (laughs) You're right. They don't. I do. And I love good punctuation. And, you know, I'll be honest. I'll give that credit for that to my mom. I'm older than, you know, I'm one of those people who are older than the average Wikipedian. So I can say that when I moved away from home... And after I got married, I didn't always uh, call my parents. Sometimes I would write a letter, the old snail mail. And I would (laughs) write letters to my parents. And my mom, when she would reply, would include the letter I'd written to her. Yes. And she would have taken a red pen. She marked it up. I love it. I love it. it. Yeah. (laughs) What's your mom's name? Elena Goich, G-O-J-I-C-H. Can I refer to her as Dame Elena? Well, she wouldn't have been Dame, but certainly Elena. (laughs) She didn't get knighted. She didn't get knighted. That's great. Sorry, I just like my, I just got really hot for punctuation, but let's return to the story. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how I kind of became good with things like punctuation and and the other forms of English that maybe I hadn't picked up while I was in high school or college. Though I think I've always been pretty good, but my mom made me better. And, you know, as as long as we're on the subject of um, ancestors, I'll say that her mom, so my maternal grandmother, had been a textbook editor in Yugoslavia. Now imagine that, a textbook editor. So I'd say that editing is in my blood. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It kind of helps me to understand how it is that I turned out to be the person that I am. That grandmother also had been a feminist. And so maybe that's also in my blood. It's, it's, It's not that, you know, I overnight became a feminist. It's not that any one thing led to me being a feminist. And I remember one day my daughter-in-law referred to me as a feminist. And I kind of looked at her like, where did that come from? It's it's not like you necessarily think of yourself as a feminist if you are a feminist. But here it is. Someone used that word. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I guess I am that person. It's That's great. Wait, so you were saying you started in front of the TV, you were doing punctuation, but then you moved on to articles. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Actually, I didn't start with punctuation. I think that happened maybe by my second or third year. I'd be sitting in front of the TV, but I'd want to be doing something on Wikipedia too. So it was hard to do research, write an article, and be watching maybe an episode of The Bachelor. 
or bachelorette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, gotcha. But punctuation. You got to know where easy. that rose is going. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so <laughs> I started by just writing articles. I mean, one after another after another. I think I was hooked. If I don't write the article now, who will? And so I would. I would just feel compelled. The first set of articles was about names, so anthroponymy. So it would be first names, and I would write about surnames and so on and so forth. And then I started a series of articles about missing geographic places in Nunavut, Canada. So I'm talking mountains and rivers and lakes, peninsulas and points, and maybe the people who were associated with that. And that probably got me up to around, I don't know, 2010. And then I probably started doing more biographies. And at first, I was doing biographies about men. And that's because they are low-hanging fruit. There's like all these reliable sources about men. But it didn't take long to sort out that there were all these biographies about men and so few about women. And I was writing articles about women, just far fewer. We found, though, that by 2012, there was a group of us who had noticed that there were so few articles about women in comparison to men. And back then, 2012, we didn't have the tools to figure out what the percentages were, but we knew that. In March, Women's History Month, we could do something about it. We tried to spread the word that in March 2012, we would concentrate on writing biographies about women. And then the other 11 months, not so much. Everyone went back on Wikipedia. The 11 months are for men. (laughs) (laughs) Or to writing articles about um, other things, about archaeology. Yeah, Canada or archaeological digs or mm-hmm. um, hotels that don't exist anymore or what have you. And we repeated this in 2013, and we repeated it in 2014. And then by the end of 2014, somebody had done an academic research study and actually had found that it was around 14.95 or maybe 15% of the biographies on English Wikipedia were about women. Fantastic, because we're only 50% of the population. (laughs) Exactly. And don't we hold up 50% of the sky? But that was the fact. It was like Mm -hmm. we had this factoid. And so come January or February of 2015, a fellow editor, someone that had worked on all these biographies with me in March of 2012, 2013, and 2014, in January or February of 2015, he, this um, editor named Roger Bamkin from the UK, who edits as user victuallers, wrote a note on my user talk page. And he said, Rosie, I'm thinking of writing a proposal to talk about this phenomena of how few articles we have about women's biographies and how we tend to just jump in and work on them March every year compared to men. And to do this proposal for the annual Wikipedia conference 
we call it Wikimania, and see if they accept this submission. And if they do, we'll go to Mexico City in July and we'll talk about this issue. And he said, you know, you just think about it. The door is open. You don't have to knock. Just let me know if you want to do this with me. And it took a nanosecond for me to realize, yes, this is something I want to do. And so together we worked on a proposal, which ultimately was accepted. And now we had three or four months to develop a slide deck. And during these three or four months, I said to Roger, Roger, I don't want to just talk about the issue. I want to say, effective here and now, we're going to start a project where day in and day out, every day of the year, we're going to work on women's biographies. And not just women's biographies. Let's write articles about women's works, about the books they wrote, the sculptures they sculpted, the paintings they painted, the conferences they convened, uh, the schools they founded, and so on and so forth. And so That's what we presented in Mexico City in July 2015, and it was very well received. And we thought, yay, we've got 15 minutes of fame for the next 15 minutes or the next week or so. People will write biographies no matter what month it is. But we just didn't think that this was going to last. We just figured people will get bored and they'll go away. But lo and behold, we were wrong. This project that we started on that day from that stage in Mexico City, we named Women in Red. Red as in on Wikipedia, if there's a link to an article that already exists on Wikipedia, that link is blue. But if there's a link to an article and the article does not exist, then the color will be red. If you click that red link, it takes you to nothing. At least it doesn't exist yet. And so you can create the article if you wish. So women in red refer to all the missing articles about women. And now that we're three years and one month old, so what's that, 37 months old, our project has contributed over 50,000 articles to Wikipedia on English Wikipedia about women's biographies, women's works, women's issues. And we've spread into 14 other language Wikipedias. Rosie, this is amazing. I know, Matt, can you insert um, thunderous applause? Yeah, That's what I was thinking. I was like, Matt needs to insert applause. I was going to start applauding, but I figured on the microphone I'd sound weird. It would be too much. Wow. Rosie, Rosie, you're such a good storyteller, too. I know you really are. Okay, so the percent, did you say the percent was 15%? Do you know what it is now? Yeah, it's 17 point something. Let me be one thing about Oh my God, we have so much more work to do. Yeah, we're at 17.67%. I've been told that creeping up from 15 to 17.67 when you're talking about millions of biographies that this is huge it is huge but it also makes me sad that 50,000 articles only pops you up two percent so we have so many more articles to write we do we do and uh, we could use you to help we could use all the listeners to help yes What percentage of Wikipedia editors are female right now? And uh, what are some of the reasons you think that maybe women aren't participating as much in editing? Oh, another good question. So 
to the first part of that, what percentage, we don't really know. We don't okay. really know. There are um, people use number 10%, people use number 18%, people use various numbers, but the fact is we really don't know. We don't know on English Wikipedia, let alone on other language Wikipedias. We just don't know. The reason we don't know um, goes back to um, those who are really good with statistics who can say that when you send out surveys to people, do you send it out to every everyone? Did every editor get a survey asking about gender? No. So only certain people got a survey. And of those, some will respond, some won't, right? And then some will respond to the question about gender, some won't. Some will lie. Some will think, I don't want anyone to know that I'm a woman, because if I do they, whoever they are, they will harass me. So either I won't answer, I won't respond to this question, or I'll lie, or or something. So we really don't know. And then what kind of keeps women from editing? There's been a lot of talk about that. Nobody can say exactly why, because um, there are various reasons, um, just as there's different people. I mean, initially, some people thought that an entry barrier was maybe the technology, but let's just here and now debunk that. That is not true. Women are just as adept as men are using the quote-unquote technology to edit Wikipedia. I mean, you don't have to be you know, a, a brain surgeon. If I can do it, just listen. If I can do it, <laughs> anyone can figure it out. It's not that difficult. So it's not the technology, but maybe it's some other things. It might be things like time. I mean, having the free time. Maybe you choose to use your free time doing X and somebody else chooses to do Y. Um, you know, if... If Wikipedia had come along when I had little children, I probably wouldn't have been a prolific Wikipedian. I probably would have spent more time, you know, taking care of my little kids. It's just that when I became a Wikipedia editor, I was in my early 50s, and I was divorced. I was living alone, and, you know, I had the time and inclination to become a Wikipedia editor. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's, you know, women who edit, if they get harassed, they decide, what the heck am I doing this for? I'm going to go do something else with my free time. So that might be part of it, too. And I think that's a, a big reason why some women leave is they get harassed. Um. And then I'm sure that there are other reasons, things like um, availability of technology. So I'm going to share a little story with you. Last year, 2017, I did the first ever Wikimedia gender diversity mapping study. I spoke with 65 people, mostly women around the world, to learn about, they were um, women leaders in the wiki movement to learn about their thoughts on um, many questions related to editing Wikipedia. And I, I would hear things from women who would say, you know, in our house, we, we don't have a computer, um, but the men in the house are welcome to leave the home and go to an internet cafe 
or they're a university student, they go to the university, their computer's there, they get to use computers, and it's easy for them to be able to edit Wikipedia. But it's not so easy for me to say to my mother-in-law, I'm going to leave home and go to an internet cafe, and I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to edit Wikipedia. In my society, in my community, this is we just don't do this. And so this is what makes it hard. You know, it, it's, you know, I, I understand I'm very privileged. I live in a, a country, a society where, where I have access to Wi-Fi, where, you know, I'm, I own my own MacBook Air. I, and I, it's very nice to edit on a MacBook Air. I can't imagine what it's like to try to edit on uh, you know, an iPhone or a phone of any sort. And lots of people use their phones not just for consumption of Wikipedia, but also production for editing. And I think it would be really hard to do that. So, yeah, there's lots of reasons why the percentage of women is smaller than for men. But every every extra woman we can get you know, is a benefit to this project. So speaking of, Rosie, can you tell us about the edit-a-thons? Yeah, I'd love to. So edit-a-thons can be broadly construed as events where people edit Wikipedia. Some of these are in-person events where people come together at a certain designated time and place at a certain venue, and maybe there's a particular subject that they all edit upon, might be art, might be feminism, might be something else. And then other edit-a-thons are done virtually. Um, this is what, you know, Women in Red, is, this is our forte. We do about five of these events a month. They run all, all month, and they're always on a various, various topics where you can edit from the comfort of your home any day in March on a particular topic. And yeah, so those are virtual edit-a-thons. As for the in-person ones, they are awesome ways of getting people together to, you know, we're, we're social beings. We Mostly we just don't live on an island. Mostly we Wikipedians, Wikimedians, we like to be around each other. We kind of think, we call each other wiki friends, but Sometimes it can be a lot more than that. We see each other as the people who really get what it is, why we do it. Um, and so these edit-a-thons give us that opportunity. It's nice if you live in a big city where these happen on a regular basis, be it in Washington, D.C., or New York City, or Paris, or London, or Cairo, Egypt. It's lovely, but what if you don't live in Cairo, Egypt, and you live in some small town somewhere else where there aren't other people, you can't get together? Well, that's when virtual edit-a-thons really make sense. That's when you just participate virtually. So for our listeners, what's the process for getting involved? So where can they sign up? And then when they get there, does it walk them through a little bit of how to edit and then give them a list of articles that need help or need creating? How, how does it work? So the first thing would be to create an account. So you would go to the Wikipedia of your language, whether it's English Wikipedia, Spanish Wikipedia, Arabic Wikipedia, Serbian Wikipedia, what have you. And it's best, in my opinion, to create your username, to create an account. 
And once you have created an account, then you decide you're in the driver's seat. You decide what you're going to do next, whether you want to improve an article or try to create one. I would not recommend trying to create an article when you start. It's kind of like, think of it like riding a bike. When you learn to ride a bike, you don't just get on a two-wheeler. Generally, you're going to start maybe on a tricycle, and then you're going to get a two-wheeler, but maybe it's got um, training wheels on it. And then finally, you're on a regular two-wheeler bike, and maybe then you get a motorcycle later in life and you hop on the freeway. So start small. Start by improving an article. Go to an article that interests you. See if there's something missing that you can add. See if there's something you can improve. I always tell people an easy thing to improve when you first get started is the lead of an article. The lead is the opening paragraph. Many articles don't have an opening paragraph, which should be a summary of the article itself. Generally, it's just one sentence. But if you review the whole article and you see something important, that uh, Jane Doe won an Academy Award in 1999, and that's not included in the lead paragraph, then just go for it. Add it. That's you know something you don't have to then do the research. Someone else has already done the research, and they've already put a reliable source next to that sentence in the body of the article. So that's where I recommend people start is maybe just improve articles. And an easy thing to improve is um, improving the lead paragraph or creating a paragraph if there's only a sentence. And other things like I've talked about earlier, things like punctuation, if that's missing, though not everyone is good with punctuation. And, um, you know, see what interests you. Now, there's so many different things you can do. You you know, all of us have gone to Wikipedia. All of us have clicked around and gone down those rabbit holes. <laughs> and we've seen things that need to be improved. So just get started. Is um, fixing uh, gendered language, would that be considered an improvement? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that I noticed early on was then men's biographies, if they even mentioned family members, the language would be something like, in 1899, John Doe married Miss Jane Smith, daughter of blah, blah, blah. But in women's biographies, especially if they were written by a man, they would be worded that Jane Doe became the wife of Joe Schmo. <laughs> and so an easy thing you can change is, you know, instead of saying Jane Doe became the wife of Joe Schmo, is Jane Doe married Joe Schmo. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, right. that's pretty simple. Okay. Some articles about women refer to them throughout the article by their first name. But wow. in men's biographies, no, never. It's always after the name is first introduced, Joe Schmo, you never hear, you never see 
Joe or Joseph again, you always see Shmo. Shmo did this in 1899. Shmo became that in, you know, it's, it's just the language is written differently. Um, and so if you're not sure, well, take a look how the man's biography is written. And then see if you can understand how that's so different than some of these women's biographies are written and fix that. Rosie, once people have moved beyond enhancing articles, is there a list of people that need to be added that editors can find somewhere? Yes. So we have a lot of different wiki projects on English Wikipedia. If you're interested in sports or Pokemon or whatever, uh, military history, there are wiki projects for that. The Women in Red is a project for creating biographies about women, and we have over 400 lists of missing women's biographies. They are by occupation, they're cut by time period, they're cut by geography. If you hop over to Wiki Project Women in Red, you'll be able to see that list. So for our listeners, we are going to link to the Women in Red project if you'd like to check it out. It will be in the show notes. Matt, will they be able to find that everywhere they find their podcast? Anywhere you listen, you can get those show notes. We'll also have it on thedailydot.com. Wonderful. So I want to make sure that we're not overlooking other minorities that are underrepresented on Wikipedia. So I was wondering if you could just briefly talk about that. So that's really important. And when we say minorities... There's a lot of different ways to slice and dice that. One minority I can think of real quickly is LGBTQAI population. We have a wiki project that works on those articles, but so does Women in Red. And another would be um, there are many different states and communities, for example, in India. The Dalit population is very underrepresented on Wikipedia. And one of the reasons they tell us for that is there aren't reliable sources about the Dalit. You know, they didn't have for a long time things about the, the Dalit, their culture wasn't written down, it was oral. And so the problem of not having reliable sources is, is the issue here. And one more, it's now, I have a friend in Cairo, Egypt, her name is May Hashim, and she said there are so few reliable sources about Arabic women in Arabic, but there are a lot of reliable sources about Arabic women in English language. And so she's encouraging uh, a, a team of people to write those articles in English, and then people in Egypt or other Arabic countries are going to... Um, translate from English into Arabic. So there's a lot of different minorities and um, all of them need some help. And we could use some help from listeners and others to, to work on these articles, create new ones, improve the ones that already exist. Well, on that note, Dame Rosie, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for everything you are doing. Thank you, Jen and Allie, for having me. Really appreciate it. Guys, Dame Rosie is a national treasure. She really is. I mean, it makes total sense to me now that she is a knight. She could be I know. a superhero. We didn't even get a chance to ask her about how she Anything got about knighted, the knighthood. <laughs> but it, it was just, everything was wonderful. And it and, just made sense. Like, yeah. we didn't need to know the specifics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I need to know, but that's going to be on my own time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. It's yeah, It was amazing. It's, 
it was amazing. And it's just, it's really cool that anybody can get involved with this if they want to. And, um, you know, I hope some of Listeners, you will consider doing it. Yeah, I know I am. I already have some women you got to add. Yeah. <laughs> Vesta Stout, the inventor of duct tape, is a red hyperlink right now. She does that's not have an entry. That's right. That is right. And yeah. Florence Parpart, I think, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I think she has an entry in French, but not English. And she is the inventor of the modern electric refrigerator. Refrigerator. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, so go down that wormhole, guys, and then add the four million other people that are not currently on there. And are these names that you just knew from previous uh, research or are these on Rosie's list? We've done some no, of our Jen own research I, on these yeah. women, yeah, and it, it is really hard to find some reliable sources. We had specific areas that we were, like, they needed, we needed to find people who had invented things that were within certain realms that were women, and um, yeah, we were just having a lot of trouble finding. I think we right. have a long list of, of women. I think I think most of the women that we were highlighting, Jen, did not have Wikipedia entries, because we made That's jokes right. about it. So Jen and I did a series with Facebook Watch called Record Breakers, where we go around trying to break Guinness records held by men. Um, and we would basically like, we were the comedic, uh, whatever idiots who would always lose, but then (laughs) these ghosts of historical women would come down and school us. Mm -hmm. Um, and we made jokes about, you know, don't forget to edit, don't forget to add that Wikipedia entry for me, ladies. But yeah, so we did research on this and, you know, there's just so, I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's really easy to find people that don't have Wikipedia entries. But that's the thing that's so crazy about Facebook's um, one of their latest measures to combat fake news. I just think is so absurd. Basically, uh, okay, there there's probably an update to this. But uh, a few months ago, I read that they're adding a feature where there'll be a little button that says about this article. And so you can click to learn more about the article and it'll show you more information, including the sources Wikipedia page. And I'm like, how on earth does that combat fake news? And Facebook actually said something along the lines of, well, you know, if it doesn't have a Wikipedia page, that's a red flag. And it's like, really? Because a ton of things don't have a Wikipedia page. And I'm pretty sure they're real, like women yeah. and minorities. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, how does that combat fake news? Also, well, it just think- sends you to the publisher. So, like, you can look up if Breitbart is real and just see more articles from, from Breitbart. Breitbart. I yeah. don't know. How does that affect anything? Look, I, uh, let's assume that users actually use this feature, which I think is asking a lot of users. But I, I agree with I, you that. Know, yeah. And I'm no fan yeah. of, I'm not a fan of Facebook and the experience there, but I think that's a good thing because it's like you see a Breitbart article and hopefully the idea behind this is before you share it, you click, there's a little button that says more about this article and you look and see, oh, I've never heard of Breitbart, but it is a really right wing absurd thing that doesn't source its materials. So we're going to, you can share this if you want, but get just heads up, Breitbart is not a reliable source because XYZ reasons. Like that is a good thing. Whether users take heart of it is another story, but I, I disagree with you that it's a bad move. I, I, I would applaud Facebook for offering that I don't that think context. that it combats fake news at all, right? Because that means also you're targeting someone who's already shared a Breitbart article. So great, they'll click through and see more right-wing articles and be no, like, no, great, no. I like this source. No, no, I think the idea is that your, your crazy uncle shared a Breitbart article and you read it and you're like, well, Obama's an alien from Mars. That's crazy. And then you look at the 
thing and you're like, wait a minute, this is from Breitbart. What's Breitbart? Oh, it's not a reliable source. Got it. I won't share that. That's the thinking behind it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna res- I'm gonna respectfully disagree because I just don't think that's gonna be an effort to combat news. Like I think things that are fake or aren't well sourced should be removed from the internet. The idea of trusting users, that's basically what we've been doing and it hasn't worked out so well. Well, but Wikipedia trusts users to uh, provide sources. I mean, at some point, a platform may have a duty to like, I mean, at some point, free speech has to be respected, right? I mean, short of harassment or hate speech, like if you want to write crazy shit on the internet, like you probably have the right to do that. But so I think the happy middle ground is like a platform saying, hey, guys, like not everything's real. And here's some background about this crazy blogger. We're not going to remove it. But like user beware, like but that's then it's OK. Like, should we allow libel? Because that's like basically what it is, right? Well, the the, the person who is I, I confuse libel and slander, but the person who is maligned by like if, if someone writes Obama's an alien from Mars and it's obviously false, Obama is free to sue that publication. And so that is his job to do that. Um, it is not the user, the consumer's uh, job or responsibility to sue a publication for libel, right? I think an no, no, no. issue I'm with that though that, is just that there's so yeah. much inform there's so much false information out there now that like you'd have to continually sue everybody all the time. Right. There's just like a glut I, of I'm things. I'm not saying lawsuits. Yeah. I'm saying like so for instance, um the whole thing that happened with section two uh, 230 and how um, Craigslist personals have been shut down because websites are being held liable for content that might promote human trafficking, but they're not being held liable p- for putting false content on their websites. Right. And so that's a, you don't distinguish between human trafficking and like, you know, sensationalist headlines. Like those are two well, different I things. Think, but I think that, well, first of all, um, the fact that they dismantled that, there's a lot of research out there that's showing that it's not a positive thing. Oh, yeah, um, I agree with that. But also, I think that, um, yeah, that it's, you know, there there's a wide range, but like, I think it can, we, we've seen it can be very detrimental <laughs> to have uh, outright fake news on the internet. So, um, so, yes, I do think it's a decent comparison, human trafficking, swinging elections. I think that these are all major, major issues. I just don't think that about this article is really going to put a dent in fake news. That's yeah, my no, ultimate. I agree with yeah. you. I agree. So you're saying, right, that, that it's not far enough. You would rather that Facebook just remove the content. Yeah, I think when something like, I mean, and you know, and, and they're starting to step up, like Alex Jones, apparently like four of his YouTube videos have been taken down recently, right. you know, yeah. so I just, uh, we're I at think a turning these, point. We're at a, an inflection yeah, point. They for need sure. to step up. I read a really interesting article that he like really knows how to game the system. Like apparently YouTube sends you a notice letting you know that you have infringed upon something and this video needs to be taken down. And then three strikes and something else happens. But because they want the normal person needs to be taught, it doesn't count if you don't read that email. So Alex Jones ignores some of the emails. Really? There's more details than that. So definitely look into it. It's like basically certain strikes. If you don't read the emails, they get bundled into one strike because the idea is for the normal user, you're, you know, they might not know that they like infringed on copyright. You need to like let them know. But yeah, so he's like gaming the system in a really, I mean, it's actually very fascinating in a certain way where by not reading the emails, his strikes are getting bundled rather than being counted as separate strikes. Wow. And that's just, that's just, I just, 
I have another just question for you is like, it's really hard. This is a really hard issue because like, should we remove Alex Jones from YouTube? Yes, because his uh, his media causes harm to society. But I guess the devil's advocate example that I come back to is like, let's say you're a you work in the government and you're whistle like uh, it's Edward Snowden. Like you work in the government and you find something really fucked up about something that's going on in a government or a company and you put it out in the world and it sounds fucking crazy, but it's actually true. Should platforms be removing your content from the internet because I mean, they I think hear it's you crazy that it's a at very, first blush? I hear you that it's a very complicated subject for sure. For sure, I think we. we I'm happy to keep arguing, but we could also leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but right, going yeah, back yeah. to the real point I wanted to make, though, is just that it, it's uh, amusing to me that Facebook says, well, if it doesn't have a Wikipedia page, that should be a red flag. And then, of course, the topic of today's episode is that so many very important um, accomplishments and humans and schools and books do not have a Wikipedia page. So, listeners, you can go help Get with that. It. Please send us a link when you've created Vesta Stout's Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. Let us know things that you have uh, been searching for more information on and like can't find things about, you know, what you're going to be editing, hopefully, when you get into this. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can tweet at us, as always. I'm at June Bugger. I'm at Allie Gold. And you can also send us an email at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. We might read your email on the air, or you could call us and leave us an old-fashioned voicemail about anything you wish. And that phone number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And finally, if you would like to join a really vibrant community of listeners of this podcast, as well as me, Allie, and Matt, uh, talking about the show and other topics and suggesting topics, you can join us in our Discord server, um, and that URL is discord.gg slash 2G1P. Finally, if you would like to contribute to this show and its ongoing um, ability to thrive, uh, you can contribute on our Patreon account. And Ali, can you remind us what that URL is? Patreon.com slash 2G1P. All right, guys, we will catch you next time. Have a great week. Edit some Wikipedia entries, please. Thank you. And peace out. to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two, two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. <laughs> your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait, what's the catch? There's no catch. TuneIn lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.
that wouldn't be weird at all. <laughs>